I'm your host, Richard Young. Join me as we experience God's Word together and grow in our relationship with Him. Today we'll be reading from the Berean Standard Bible, and the reading plan we're following is the one-year chronological Bible. Today is day 24, and we'll be reading from the book of Job, chapter 19, 20, and 21. Let's dive right in. Job, chapter 19. Then Job answered, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Ten times now you have reproached me. You shamelessly mistreat me. Even if I have truly gone astray, my error concerns me alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my disgrace against me, then understand that it is God who has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry out, Violence! I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way, so I cannot pass. He has veiled my paths with darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side until I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance together. They construct a ramp against me and encamp about my tent. He has removed my brothers from me. My acquaintances have abandoned me. My kinsmen have failed me, and my friends have forgotten me. My guests, my maidservants, count me as a stranger. I am a foreigner in their sight. I call for my servant, but he does not answer. Though I implore him with my own mouth, my breath is repulsive to my wife, and I am loathsome to my own family. Even little boys scorn me. When I appear, they deride me. All my best friends despise me, and those I love have turned against me. My skin and my flesh cling to my bones, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends, have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? I wish that my words were recorded and inscribed in a book by an iron stylus on lead or chiseled in a stone forever. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will stand upon the earth. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I will see him for myself. My eyes will behold him, and not as a stranger. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. If you would say, let us persecute him, since the root of the matter lies with him, then you should fear the sword yourselves, because wrath brings punishment by the sword, so that you may know there is a judgment. Job chapter 20. Then Zophar, then Amathot replied, So my anxious thoughts compel me to answer because of the turmoil within me. I have heard a rebuke that insults me, and my understanding prompts a reply. Do you not know that from antiquity, since man was placed upon the earth, the triumph of the wicked has been brief and the joy of the godless momentary? Though his arrogance reaches the heavens and his head touches the clouds, he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who had seen him will ask, where is he? He will fly away like a dream, never to be found. He will be chased away like a vision in the night. The eye that saw him 
will see him no more, and his place will no longer behold him. His sons will seek favor of the poor, for his own hands must return his wealth. The youthful vigor that fills his bones will lie down with him in the dust, though evil is sweet in his mouth, and he conceals it under his tongue, though he cannot bear to let it go and keeps it in his mouth. Yet in his stomach his food sours, and the venom of cobras is within him. He swallows wealth, but vomits it out. God will force it from his stomach. He will suck the poison of cobras. The fangs of a viper will kill him. He will not enjoy the streams, the rivers flowing with honey and cream. He must return the fruit of his labor without consuming it. He cannot enjoy the profits of his trading, for he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He has seized houses that he did not build. Because his appetite is never satisfied, he cannot escape with his treasure. Nothing is left for him to consume. Thus his prosperity will not endure. In the midst of his plenty, he will be distressed. The full force of misery will come upon him. When he has filled his stomach, God will vent his fury upon him, raining it down on him as he eats. Though he flees from an iron weapon, a bronze-tipped arrow will pierce him. It is drawn out of his back, the gleaming point from his liver. Terrors come over him. Total darkness is reserved for his treasures. A fire unfanned will consume him and devour what is left in his tent. The heavens will expose his iniquity, and the earth will rise up against him. The possessions of his house will be removed, flowing away on the day of God's wrath. This is the wicked man's portion from God, the inheritance God has appointed for him. Job chapter 21. Then Job answered, Listen carefully to my words. Let this be your consolation to me. Bear with me while I speak, and then, after I have spoken, you may go on mocking. Is my complaint against a man? Then why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled. Put your hand over your mouth. When I remember, terror takes hold, and my body trembles with horror. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? Their descendants are established around them, their offspring before their eyes. Their homes are safe from fear. No rod of punishment from God is upon them. Their bulls breed without fail. Their cows bear calves and do not miscarry. They send forth their little ones like a flock. Their children skip about, singing to the tambourine and the lyre and making merry at the sound of the flute. They spend their days in prosperity and go down to Sheol in peace. Yet they say to God, Leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what would we gain if we pray to him? Still, their prosperity is not in their own hands, so I stay far from the counsel of the wicked. How often... Is the lamp of the wicked put out? Does disaster come upon them? Does God in his anger apportion destruction? Are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a storm? It is said that God lays up one's punishment for his children. Let God repay the man himself so he will know it. Let his eyes see his own destruction. Let him drink for himself from the wrath of the Almighty. 
But what does he care about his household after him when the number of his months is run out? Can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges those on high? One man dies full of vigor, completely secure and at ease. His body is well nourished and his bones are rich with marrow. Yet another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, having never tasted prosperity. But together they lie down in the dust and worms cover them both. Behold, I know your thoughts full well, the schemes by which you would wrong me. For you say, where now is the nobleman's house? Where are the tents in which the wicked dwell? Have you never asked those who travel the roads? Do you not accept their reports? Indeed, the evil man is spared from the day of calamity, delivered from the day of wrath. Who denounces his behavior to his face? Who repays him for what he has done? He is carried to the grave, and watch is kept over his tomb. The clods of the valley are sweet to him, everyone who falls behind him. Those before him are without number. So how can you comfort me with empty words? For your answers remain full of falsehood. Father, thank you again for your goodness and your word. How great is your goodness stored up for those who fear you. Lord, thank you for these chapters in Job, especially the the words, I know that my Redeemer lives. Father, thank you for making Jesus and his resurrection real to each one of us. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Day 24, we are graced with Job's response to his loving friend, Bildad. And his response is just as loving and caring as any friend should be. Mm, mm, yeah, Ten this... times you've approached me. He's not happy with his friend here. Nope, nope. Or any of them. All three friends. And yes. he, he talks about them, and he also talks about God during this. In it, he says, God has wronged me. Mm. Yes, God has wronged me, capturing me in his net. Another translation reads, I cry out, help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. Yeah, Job continues to maintain his integrity, the, the fact that he does not know where he went wrong. He doesn't know how he sinned, and he is reasoning in some respects along the same lines of his friends. Bad things don't happen to good people, but yet here I am in this mess. How did this happen? I need an audience with God, and he still wants to know where is justice. And I think that's, that's a big part of every human heart. That's why I think the prophet Micah gives us, what does God require of you, O oh man? Yeah. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with our God. We'll get into it in a, a day or two. But it's clear here that Job is justifying himself. Yes. Yeah, well, Uriah, again, the, the, the verse I mentioned, I think a day or so ago, I'm not sure how far back it was, but I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. Again, this beautiful prefiguring of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus did stand on the earth. He walked among us. He is our mediator. And even now, where is Jesus? Yes, he's alive in our hearts. He's, he's in the church, but he also is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his bride, still carrying on that ministry of 
being the mediator, being one who could touch God the Father because he is God, very God, and he is perfect man, yet he remained without sin. Job said prophecy without understanding of of what he was saying. Mm. He said this because he was probably figuring God's going to come down here and he's going to solve this problem. Mm. Rather than knowing that he was talking about years into the future, a few thousand at this point. Mm-hmm. Prophecy does that many, many times. Uh, several commentators have said that prophets look ahead and they see mountains in the distance. Some of those are a few years off, but some of them are thousands of years off. And, of course, from God's perspective, who is living outside of time and space, it's all the same. A, a day is a thousand years. A thousand years could be a day. So maybe it was only a couple of days. We'll get to that <laughs> when we get to the New Testament as well, of people prophesying the end of days and mm. the second coming of Christ and thinking that it's, it's going to happen. It's imminent. Yep. Imminently. Mm-hmm. But it is a future prophecy. Right, right. So it's interesting, too, how Job looks to turn the tables. How dare you go on persecuting me? You should fear punishment yourselves. And, well, they should. We'll see that very, very shortly as the Lord shows up here in the narrative. But Zophar comes along, and and he starts talking to Job again. He gives another speech, and he's reiterating his same argument. It's kind of like, as a dad, sometimes I figure if I speak a little louder to my son, he'll get it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a repetitive <laughs> condemnation of wicked actions and the, another implication that Job has done wrong and God's cutting him down for doing something wrong. Mm. So it's less about a, hey, like this is what your previous argument was and here's why you should change it. It's, it's talking about, no, God hasn't perverted justice. God hasn't wronged you. You have wronged God and this is why it's happening back. So it's just refuting that part of the argument. But still, as Job said before, they are lying on behalf of God and that they are saying he sinned without him having sinned. Right, because, again, what do they have to go on? Just the natural understanding, what their eyes see and what their ears have heard. And they're relying solely on their own experience of how stuff works in the world. And a big part of the whole narrative of Job is that we don't have the whole story. We didn't see the counsel of God in the heavens when the sons of men showed up and he questioned them. And we don't have the end of the story yet either. So Job comes right back. He is not intimidated. And he he says, yeah, but the wicked do prosper. But how is that? So they prosper through God's grace. He Mm. even says this, is that they are allowed to gain these things because God gives them to them. He doesn't say the word grace, but the understanding there is that he is giving, God is giving them these things. God is allowing wicked and righteous men to both have nice things on the earth. And here's where he talks about their answers. They are nothing but deception. Mm. They're deceiving themselves. And they are trying to deceive Job into Mm. believing something incorrect about himself Mm. and his actions and that he has sinned and he must have sinned. Mm. I love your point, Uriah, that there is this whole element of common grace. The sun shines on the evil and the good. The rains fall on 
everybody, and only God is the just judge. At the end of time, at the end of our lives individually, God is a just judge, and he sees to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it's this word, this living and active word that we're reading today, and we'll continue reading throughout the course of the coming year, Lord willing, Yeah. Uh, because we don't know what the future holds, but we're, we're going to keep going uh, a day at a time. Yeah, but if you're ready to hear the rebuttal and the wisdom of man through Eliphaz, join us again tomorrow on day 25 of the Bible in a Year.